Hello and welcome to another episode of the A-Leagues of Our Own podcast presented by The Inner Sanctum. It was a case of Tilly's now and Tilly's new in Newcastle this week as Emily Van Egmond shone on her return to the A-League before a late Holly McNamara brace would have seen raucous celebrations for City if not for a potentially serious injury to the young star that had thousands of heads in hands across the country. Clubs may want to start closing down Rachel Lowe on the edge of the box as she scores twice as victory thought they were going to be the team to finally sink the glory. The Mariners earn a scalp at home, Fiona Wirtz returns to Adelaide to haunt her former side, and Western United grind out a 1-0 win away from home. We'll dissect the latest Matildas squad that has been selected to take on Canada in December and try to remember what happened the last time Canberra United played a game of football. My name is Lachlan Abel and joining me on the show today is Paletti. Good evening. Good evening. And Christian Montigan. Good evening, Lockie. Well, it was a, a very fun weekend of football, standalone with the dub, of course, with the men's on their international break. And we're going to start with Newcastle Jets 2, Melbourne City 3. And this was really a spectacular game, but it, it's just going to be marred by that McNamara injury. Emily Van Egmond was crucial for the Jets early, even though they conceded the goal. She scores the first, which she almost, you could say, set up herself as well, by the way. And then the through ball uh, into Gooch for the second as well to put them 2-1 up was exceptional. We thought the Jets were pretty pretty much had it, but then all of a sudden comes 20-year-old Holly McNamara. She scores a very inventive header to bring it back to 2-all, gets in behind for the third, and just... I can't tell. I don't know if you guys saw on the replay. I'm not sure if there was contact between her and the keeper or she just sidesteps to get around it, but she goes down on that knee and it doesn't look great. We know she's already had two ACLs, a Paletti and a third this early in her career is not good news potentially. No, it's not. And look, it looked like it was that non-contact sort of injury. You can just kind of tell she clutches it she clutches at her leg immediately. The look on her face, it almost read like, a, oh, no, not again. This is a player who has all the talent in the world. And, you know, if she can stay fit and healthy and not be injured, basically, will be the face of the Matildas for years to come. Like, just as long as she keeps up her form. I don't think we're going to get a chance to see that. Yeah, unfortunately, just earlier in the week, Holly McNamara was called up for the Matilda squad that will face Canada. But Christian, it doesn't look like she'll be likely to feature that in that series anymore. Yeah, just from the replay I saw, didn't look like much contact. Uh, there was maybe a bit with the keeper, but you could tell, I mean, it's not confirmed, but I think, yeah, definitely that's not good news. I think it might be another ACL, which would be absolutely shattering because this season alone, she's just been incredible. Just the goal she scored, the impact she's had for her team. We've known even before this season, she has the quality and, you know, the Matildas call-up was obviously well-deserved. Yeah, just praying for the best, but I don't think she's going to come out of it with good news, unfortunately. Mm, well, we wish Holly all the best. Let's shine a little light on Emily Van Egmond. It was her first game back at the Newcastle Jets. Playing in attacking midfield, Pauletti, she wasn't put down as a six. She'll be very happy. She was going forward. She was creating chances. She scored a goal. Bring in Cass Davis as well as another addition into that team from last week. And the Newcastle Jets looked like a completely different team. 
Yeah, it's amazing how good teams can look when they have their full complement of players available to them. Uh, I mean, like I said, I think, you know, and I don't remember the exact wording I used last week, uh, but I think you just write off the Melbourne victory game as kind of like a one-off. You know, this is the Newcastle Jets that started the season. This is the Newcastle Jets that look like it's a changed outfit. It's a changed squad and actually looks like they're going to compete. Don't want to say, like, they did lead at one point in this game too. Let's not forget that. This is, I don't want to say three points dropped because what are you supposed to do when you've got Holly McNamara running at you? There's definitely definitely a point dropped, I'd say. I think a draw would have been a fair result for this game. And in hindsight, I think Melbourne City would have uh, taken a draw for the, from this game as well. They'll gladly trade in that third goal, um, you know, given what happened. But it's only a four-game guest stint. But, you know, Emily Van Egmond is going to be the reason that this team, if they can, you know, find their game, will get nine points out of the next three games that she plays in. And Christian, we talked a couple of weeks ago about teams just getting those one or two results that, you know, regardless of team and regardless of where you're sitting on the table, if you get those one or two results, it can spark a little bit of confidence and belief in the team. And Paletti said, you know, it's amazing what teams can do when they have their full complement. They still have Molina Ayres to come back in as well up top. So there is plenty of potential for this Newcastle side. And if the three remaining games with Van Egmond in the side can give them a little bit of a boost... Maybe that just restarts their season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in terms of the confidence, like you said, obviously they still lost the game. We've got to remember that. So they've got to have in the back of their minds, okay, yeah, we lost the game. Should have at least probably got a point from it. But you can't let that you know, derail yourself from, you know, thinking, oh, we had a bad performance. They played well throughout, you know, most of the 90 minutes. I mean, up until the Gallage goal early on, they really controlled the game and we touched on you know, Van Egmond's influence and for the next few games, they'll be hoping she does the same, which I'm sure she will. She's got the quality, but yeah, they've just got to keep the mentality that, yeah, they actually played a good game against arguably, you know, the best team in the competition. So yeah, they've, they've dropped points, but they're on the, they're heading in the right direction. Paletti, let's give Melbourne City some praise then. They did score three goals to snatch this win away from Newcastle. Gallich with the opener on the volley, terrific goal. Uh, but they came back two goals from McNamara. Is there worries that, you know, perhaps their goals dry up without Holly? She's scored a lot of them for City so far this season. Yeah, you know, the six goals for Holly Mack, uh, leading the Golden Boot Race by quite some margin. And uh, as we'll get to, as we'll get to a little bit later, if Rachel Lowe doesn't have a night out in Perth, you know, Holly Mack's well clear uh, on the Golden Boot Race this early into the season. I don't think the goals will dry up. I think I've heard this been said around by a few people who are very knowledgeable in uh, women's football. Melbourne City's biggest challenge is Melbourne City. They have all the talent in the world. You can't replace a Holly McNamara, but if you can lessen the damage by getting everyone together and getting it clicking, I don't think the goal scoring will dry up. I think... I just think it will look a lot different how they score goals if slash when they score goals. Moving on now to Perth Glory 2, Melbourne Victory 2. Christian Victory, the first team to take points away from Perth Glory this season. They thought they were going to be the first team to win over the Perth Glory as well. Wasn't quite to be. Yeah, the first team to take points away this season, but also Perth have been unbeaten since the start of the new year, I believe. So I think it was eight games coming into it. Um, So yeah, 
obviously played at Macedonia Park. It was a great turnout considering uh, Coldplay was performing at Opta Stadium that night. <laughs> uh, honestly, great to see that turnout. I think it shows that the words slowly getting around that, you know, this Perth side I think means business this season. You know, they're coming in, they had the 100% record behind them, four wins out of four. Um, so, yeah, obviously it's a tough place to travel for you know, any side. Um, but I thought Perth, yeah, they settled rather comfortably in the first half, uh, took their opportunity through what was, yeah, a really impressive free kick from Hannah Lowry. And, yeah, I know the attention has been on Holly McNamara and rightly so, you know, for her performances um, so far this season. But Lowry is another like up-and-coming star of Australian football. She's only 20 years of age and, you know, for the technical ability she has in the ball and, you know, you see every team that have that one player who can open up a game and, you know, turn everything on its head and she's that to a T. And then, you know, there were a few half chances for victory, I thought. I mean, the one that springs to mind was uh, that early Jessica Nash cross, which hit the bar, I think, very early on. But, yeah, I thought Perth did really well to, I think, utilise their pace up front. They got, you know, a lot of balls in behind where, I thought, you know, the likes of Millie Farrow was, you know, extremely dangerous and probably should have had a goal for herself, to be honest. Um, yeah, then I guess it was a victory late show, uh, a double from Rachel Lowe. And yeah, then obviously Hannah Lowry got her brace as well. Uh, I think 96 minutes, the last minute of stoppage time. But yeah, from that point of view, I think victory will be, you know, kicking themselves to let those three points slip, just especially away from home, giving Perth strong record um, at home. But yeah, which we're not really accustomed to seeing from, you know, a Jeff Hopkins side in the past. But, yeah, thoroughly entertaining match. Pauletti, if you were a Perth Glory defender and Rachel Lowe has just scored a goal from a second phase of a set piece from the edge of the box and then five minutes later there's a kerfuffle and the ball ends back at Rachel Lowe's feet at the edge of the box, would you think about maybe closing her down a little bit? She seemed to have all the time in the world for that volley and dispatched it quite nicely to get victory the lead. I mean, it almost didn't go in. It almost, uh, I think it was a Kino that was in front of her. It almost it almost hits a Kino in the head. Like, it literally <laughs> just like wuzzes past her nose into the goal. Rachel Lowe has been on another level since she's gone down to the victory and honestly, I'm not looking forward to when she plays Sydney. A real revenge game there. <laughs> um, uh, it looks like the change of scenery has done her all the world of good. And that for those who have watched this Sydney FC side over the last few years and watched, you know, Rachel Lowe at an MPL level, this is kind of the Rachel Lowe that we've all seen bubbling under the surface. That's there, just needs the right moment at the right time to kick on. And you know, four goals this season already in five games for the midfielder, um, you know, a brace on Saturday night. It's just the talent's coming through and, yeah, maybe you try and close it down. But also, I don't know how effective that would have been because, look, the way that Rachel Lowe's been playing at the moment, close it down, okay, short, sure, spin, turn, boom. She probably goes in anyway. Like, you're not going to stop that at the moment. How far is her ceiling, do you reckon, Paletti? In terms of where she can go, I mean, Matildas, etc. Could she be one of the names that goes in for Holly McNamara? If um, Gustafsson was opposed to picking Alex Chidiak, which I know, <laughs> Paletti, I know you desperately want to see her back in the team. No, I, she, it's that situation where, like, I think it's the, we heard Graham Arnold talk about how he had to put in the, the extended list uh, during right. the England game. So I think it's the same situation. I don't imagine Rachel Lowe's been on the radar. You know, she literally just turned 23 yesterday. Uh, at the time of recording, she will get there. I 
her her ceiling is incredibly high now that she seems to have found her form at the victory as she's doing something right down there Jeff Hopkins is doing something right with her down there in Melbourne so she can keep this up if she can maybe move like if she moves into a different environment at a later stage and keeps this going like I genuinely think like her ceiling is a regular material she might be part of that next phase that comes through when the current crop of midfielders, you know, kind of retires because a couple of them are getting a little bit older. That being said, I can also see the opposite sort of situation where she's kind of in that in-between age. And when I say that, you look at the current crop of Matilda's midfielders like Katrina Gorey's 30 or 31, uh, Emily Van Egmond's also around the same age. You know, so as they go through and they retire... You've also got the current crop of 18, 19, 20-year-olds coming through who'll be around this, you know, the age that Rachel Lowe is now, 23, 24, 25. Um, you know, four years down the track, Rachel Lowe will be 27, 28 sort of vibe. It's be the same age or similar in age to what Chidiak is. I think Chidiak, because she's had that experience already, will be there. But, like, is Rachel Lowe one of those? Yeah, we've got this younger, more talented crop coming through. And is she kind of just that caught in the middle sort of situation from a Perth glory perspective Christian I thought it was really interesting coming into this game Melbourne victory seemed to be a very good test for them they'd won four in a row three of those games were at home and when victory go two one up late in the game you could almost kind of be excused for thinking oh well okay there it is Perth glory have lost one They've got their first loss for the season, but no, they were resilient. They came back, and the goal they scored was a brilliant team move. You know, the ball from Fong Som Cam uh, into uh, Lowry to finish it off her second for the game as well. It showed a lot of spirit, I thought. Yeah, definitely. I think it all comes back to the character, I guess. I mean, if you want to be competing for championships, you need to have that strong character. I mean, especially, you know, going two on, two on down, for example, like they did against Victory. Uh, I thought straight after, you know, they show the initiative to obviously try and get that equalise. And they're, like I said before, they're definitely a contender. I mean, added in with the quality and the, the depth they've got in the squad, you know, couple that with the with the strong mentality we just touched on. I think they've got all the right ingredients to, to really, you know, make a deep run. Uh, just a fun fact on Rachel Lowe. So from two thousand, from the start of the 2016-17 season uh, to the end of the 2018-19 season with the Western Sydney Wanderers, she scored four goals, uh, two goals in 27 appearances. In the 2023-2024 season, in a very small amount of appearances, she has scored four goals for the Melbourne Victory. <laughs> well, um, speaking of uh, conflicting goal records, we're going to move now to Adelaide United 1, Sydney FC 3. Fiona Wirtz, absolutely on fire. She was in great goal-scoring form in the AFC Women's Championships in Uzbekistan. She's brought that back to the lead, of course, against her former side as well. In the 2022-23 A-League season, she'd scored three goals in 15 games for Adelaide. This year, she scored three goals in two games. So she's done quite well to match her tally from last season already. I'm sure she's going to score a bucket more this season. And to be honest, this was complete domination from Sydney FC. You know, they had all the play going forward. They're both uh, field goals, funnily enough, were created from their fullbacks. Tori Tumuth, great round uh, down the right-hand side, cut the ball back for Wirtz. And then Abby Lemon with that inch-perfect ball just bit over the top of the defender's uh, head. 
hits Fiona Wirtz, fantastic as well. I thought Princess Abini had really good moments as well without being totally exceptional, which probably speaks more to the consistency of, of her performances more than anything. And Adelaide really weren't in this, to be honest with you. I thought Mariah Lee, she was played a little bit more centrally today in terms of where we've seen her in the past few rounds. I don't think that worked out quite well for her. I'm pretty sure the goal that they did score was offside as well. Christian, I know you were watching live as well. You can probably speak to that one. But they they held in a little bit at the start of the second half when they had a little bit more belief. But Sydney were all over them in this game. Yeah, first half especially was just attack after attack. They really you know, exploited, I think, Adelaide's, you know, inability to defend. I think, we, you know, we've touched on with Antonis uh, how they've struggled really defensively, I think, you know, since since round one. I mean, they've struggled to really find that sort of cohesiveness um, with that back four. And, you know, it was just long balls over the top. I thought Princess Abini, they really utilised her. I mean, like you said, didn't have the best game. Yeah, like you said, Adelaide just, you could just tell they just weren't, they just couldn't put a foothold on the game. You know, besides the goal, which, you know, we'll debate. From the angle that I saw, it was offside, but obviously, you know, we can't settle definitively. Obviously, the lack of camera angles, which Paletti will rage about, but... <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jada Wyman thought it was offside as well. <laughs> oh, the way she reacted, though. Got a yellow card as well, I believe. Yeah, we're complaining, yeah. But yeah, I understand it's a difficult job for the linesman. That's why, obviously, you need the, the full support of the technology behind you. And hopefully, in the future, we do get that. But in the meantime, obviously, it looks like a, a fair distance away. But in terms of the game, with Sydney miles ahead of Adelaide and yet fully deserved the three points. And Pallady, probably the only Sydney FC player who I thought maybe didn't have a great game was Shay Connors on the right-hand side. She missed a couple of great chances. But it speaks to the team where you can still have a forward not really firing like that and you're still putting three goals past the opposition. I'm going to give Shay Connors the benefit of the doubt here. Um Annalie Grove, uh, Grove did a fantastic job in she goals. Did. And so if Grove's having an off day, Connors probably has a brace. Yes, there were a couple that were a little bit wide at the post, but I might also put that down to Grove just being in the right position to you know put Connors off for, for a couple of them. One of them, there's no excuse. You, you've got to bury that. But, you know, overall, I think, you know, if Grove doesn't have a game and a half, this scoreline is a lot worse and Connors is, you know, bagging a brace at the very least. What do you think the AFC competition uh, affects a group like Sydney FC? You know, they don't get to go away on these tours. They're going away. There is a team. They're playing these awesome games. That has to, you know, galvanize the group when it comes back to the A-League, surely. Yeah, and I think it's the fact that they're getting the game time. Like, this is uh, very... We've kind of seen it. This is a very turned over squad. There was a lot of key departures off season by Sydney FC. They've lost a lot of key talent. And so we know pre-seasons aren't really a thing in the A-League women's. Uh, and again, that comes down to money. And so getting the ability to have that extra game time and not only that competitive game time, that's 270 minutes of game time you know, Sydney FC wouldn't otherwise have. And so if they don't have that, maybe we're looking at, you know, round six, round seven, round eight, maybe before they're, you know, clicked in to the extent that they are now. And not only that, but injuries have had a heavy impact on Sydney FC as well. They've got no Courtney Vine. And I know I was uh, one of the critical ones 
who was um, talking about, you know, there's not a lot of defenders that's been signed, but Arte Juric has loaded his side with forwards. Uh, I sure look like I've got egg on my face right now. You know, you get Jess Seaman in on an injury replacement contract and Abby Lemon left back? Abby Lemon right back? Like, I never would have thought to put Abby Lemon in the back four and somehow this has worked. Like, she's really adding some zest to the Sydney FC uh, back line and full credit to Ante Juric. This is something I never would have thought watching Abby Lemon in the MPL that she would actually be a good defender. That's not a knock on Abby Lemon. That is just I wouldn't have ever thought to play her there and that she would be good. She's definitely more of a midfielder and an attacker. That is not a slight on Abby Lemon. Do not come after <laughs> Christian, Adelaide United sure do like a training park move as well. <laughs> they tried to go for the little oops, you ran over the ball, a little bit of confusion, walk back, hit it with the other foot, swing it into the box. Didn't quite work this time around. Yeah, I think that sort of sum of the game really. I mean, the whole season in general, just the, the lack of, you know, sort of cohesion, the, the bit of luck they've needed. We'll move on now to Central Coast Mariners 1, Wellington Phoenix nil. Christian, another win for the reminted Central Coast Mariners. And they're going along quite nicely now. They lost uh, to Newcastle in the F3 derby in a close one. But seven points from their next nine after that, they, they're going along quite nicely. Yeah, and I saw Paul Temple's tweet after the game. He touched on how, you know, Wellington, they never found their rhythm and it was difficult to execute their style of play, which yeah, I think is definitely an accurate summary to take out of the game. I mean, the Mariners, you know, despite having a lot less of the ball, I think it was below 40% possession. I thought they sort of dictated the game on their terms without possession, if that makes sense. So just, you know, slowing the tempo down, making Wellington move side to side with the ball you know, without giving them any real chance to do, you know, any real damage in the final third, I thought. You know, even the chance Wellington had, you know, a couple minutes ago, I think it was in the end of the first half, it was... Um, a shot from a really tight angle from I think Emma Main to you know that produced an unbelievable save from um from Courtney Newborn. You know she deserves a massive shout out for the season she's having so far. But yeah, especially you know coming into the last minute as an emergency, and in terms of you know, defence from the Mariners, which obviously credit to to Emily Husband and you know the way she's she structured the team you know since preseason and you know it's quite evident on the pitch. Um, but yeah, obviously. Um, they got away with the the one nil win, able to keep tight, keep the clean sheet. Um, but yeah, I mean Wellington, we've praised them for for the great start they've had this season. You know they're going to have those those sort of you know hiccups along the way, but they're they're in the right position. Plenty of the goalkeeping situation at, at the Mariners is a really interesting one because obviously they signed Courtney Newburn right on the eve of the season and and chucked her in goals the Newcastle game. Now last week we didn't mention it on the pod. Uh, they've signed Casey Dumont, of course, who is no longer at Melbourne Victory, finished up her AFLW season at the Hawks. She's now with a team. We don't quite know what her fitness is, so maybe that's why she's not in the team straight away. But as Christian said, Courtney Newbon has done well to start the year. Is is Dumont a walk-on? NPL, New South Wales Supremacy, Courtney Newborn. Um, <laughs> uh, look, I think that depending on the injury status of Sarah Langman, this is Courtney Newborn's net. And I think Casey Dumont is going to have to work very hard to be the starter for the Central Coast Mariners because the problem with the injury replacement contract is that, you know, Sarah Langman gets fit. You've got to let go according to the new one. You almost don't want to at this point. Like, you'd surely want to maneuver any way possible to keep her in the squad. And 
as you said, for someone who's signed on the eve of the season, but literally, I think it was, you know, a day or two before the game, it was only announced the day of the game, if memory serves correctly, you know, comes into and has just, has not looked out of place at all. And it kind of comes off the back of, uh, you know, a strong NPL New South Wales season. Um, if memory serves, you know, I don't think Sydney University had the best of seasons. Um I'm 99% sure it was uh, Sydney University that Newborn was playing for. So someone that Emily Husband is very familiar with. But, you know, the games that I saw caught in the Newborn in looked great. Um, and she's carried that form over into the A-League women's competition. What's your take on the Phoenix, Christian? They they won their last three games coming into this one. They travelled away from home now and lost to Central Coast. We were raving about them this time last week, saying they're up there. We were pitching the grand final to be in Wellington. We were going to go do a live show. Do we have to refund the plane tickets? I wasn't in that camp, to be fair. I think I'll, <laughs> I'll put you guys in, in that boat. But, yeah, like I said, it's just one of those those bumps in the road. You know, Obviously, away from home playing in Gosford, I mean, not the easiest place to play. Alarm bell shouldn't be ringing, obviously. You've got, what is it, still a chunk of the season yeah, remaining and even in terms of you know the, the style of play obviously you know Paul Temple you know mentioned his tweet like I said sort of it wasn't to the standard that you know we've been accustomed to seeing from them but you know you're not going to play your perfect game every single week and obviously Wellington you know they're a relatively new side compared to you know most of the the competition um, it's just a great effort that you know they're in the position they're in now and they'll they should be taking confidence still from you know the past few games and the past few results they've picked up. So, yeah, definitely no need to worry at this stage. And, yeah, got full confidence that uh, they'll continue a good run. Sorry, just a quick correction. Um, it was Sydney Olympic that uh, Courtney Newborn played for, not for Sydney University, but she has um, she has been part of their middle husband set up in the past. So I wanted to put that clarification there. Okay, on to the final game of the round now. Brisbane Raw nil, Western United 1. And Paletti, if your team is sitting in the top four, and sacks their manager and they lose the next game, does that still count as a new manager bounce? Is it just going in the wrong direction? Uh, yeah, bouncing in the wrong direction. Um, it's one game. I, I know we've seen you know a new manager bounce for every other team <laughs> across the competitions. Can you like depending on how you want to look at you know the Western Sydney Wanderers? Does that really count as a new manager bounce? You know, in the other direction, because let's face it, it was always heading in one direction anyway. Um, I, it's one game. Brisbane didn't look too bad in this game, I don't think. On another day, you know, scrappy goal from a corner doesn't go in, and you're looking at a nil or draw at home, you know, a point earned. I don't quite know how to analyze this one yet. I think it's, I think it's a little bit too early to analyze the move and what this means for the rest of Brisbane season. In terms of the game, Christian, it was a bit chaotic. The goal off the chest, I think, of Carly Johnson, bit of a chaos one. It was one nil. It kind of stayed that way. There weren't too many other chances. What did you make of it? Yeah, police summed up really well. Just nothing too much exciting really happened. To be fair, I mean, yeah, a few half chances here and there. Uh, West United obviously made the the most of sort of, you could say probably maybe a half chance themselves really. Um, but even last week I touched on, you know, West United sort of being a bit, you know, toothless in the midfield, especially, you know, Paletti sort of disagree with me on that. But I thought this week it definitely responded, um, you know, just at least to sort of weather the storm a bit. Yeah, definitely a win that they needed. Um, and then, you know, Brisbane, 
obviously, yeah, myself going into it, I thought, yeah, definitely a response coming in with a new manager, but that's it's just weird what's going on at that club at the moment. I just can't, I can't put my finger on it. Okay, we'll move on to the Tillys squad that has been selected to take on Canada in a two-match series in December. Paletti, let's ease into this one. No, Alex Chidiak, I know you're upset. Holly McNamara, it would have been great to see her play for the Matildas in these games. Unfortunately, it's looking like that's not going to happen. Does Chidiak come back in? I don't know. I, w- I want her there. I think if you asked 95% of... Uh, Woso Twitter, they want her there. If you ask Tigres fans, they're asking, where's Chidiak? Like, I, I think everyone wants to see to see this. Look, so, so the whole reason that Holly McNamara was moved out of the Matilda setup after the Asian Cup was because of an ACL injury. And now she's almost back there, gets the call up and is injured again. Certainly I looked at that squad and my my biggest takeaway from that initially cuz I'll be honest, I read through the list, I didn't even notice the absence, absence of Chidiak to begin with. I saw Holly McNamara's name and I'm like, "Yep, sweet, Holly's there. Deserves it. Everyone loves her. This is fantastic. We all agree with this." And then I actually went through the squad in a little bit more depth and I'm like, "Wait, is Alex Chidiak? Why is she not here? And you, you have a look at what Tony Gustafson said. Um, you know, as based on performances in the last camp and the limited minutes she's had in Clubland, uh, as to the reason why she wasn't selected. I take a little bit of umbrage with that quote, and I say that because as I was looking through this, I did a little bit of digging into the numbers. Going back to February, so that was the Cup of Nations three game series. This was after the game against Jamaica, so the last game. This was what Tony Gustafson had to say on Alex Chidiak. She deserves to start based on performance. I think we all agree on that in here, referring to the press conference room at uh, at Newcastle Stadium. Since that game, Chidiak has played a combined 133 minutes plus stoppage time in 13 games. 65 of those minutes came in her only start against Iran in the Olympic qualifiers in Perth. So almost half of her minutes came in the one game. She didn't play a minute in six of those games and sat on the bench, including multiple games at the World Cup. So I will defend Tony Gustafsson on this point. When those comments were made, she was starting regularly and starring, I should say, for Melbourne victory in the A-League women's, and that is undeniable. Then she went away to that series, and then she went to Louisville. And after she went to Louisville... She, as far as I can make out, she started three games. And then since she's moved to Tigres, she started three games. So her club minutes have definitely diminished. And yes, we love Chidiak. People were calling for her at the World Cup. She looked good when she came on. But from a club perspective, I think Tony does really have an argument to say she hasn't had the regular football to be competing. And I think Holly McNamara gets in over her every day. Uh, if she's not injured. Yep. No, no, you're right. Uh, my apologies for that. Because of the way things worked out, I can. that's right. She did go to Louisville in 2022, came back online before going back to Louisville. I mean, for whatever reason, Alex Chidiak's club moves just haven't really worked out outside of Melbourne victory and to a lesser extent, Melbourne City. Like, 
no one's going to decry the move that she made to Atletico Madrid. You get the chance to do that. Anyone's taken that all day, every day. It didn't work out. You know, goes to China, gets loaned back out to Melbourne Victory, signs with Racing Louisville, gets a little bit of game time, then seems to fall off the face of the earth, gets loaned back out here to the Victory, goes back to Louisville, and then gets loaned to Tigress. And I don't know, it just hasn't worked out. And Taron Hedo made a very good point on Twitter. There's, there has to be something there that the coaches are seeing that fans and pundits aren't. Because every fan I know, every pundit I know is calling for Chidiac's inclusion, more game time for Chidiac, you know, and yet the coaches aren't responding in kind. You know, you mentioned, I did mention the point about the limited game time and you counted back with, you know, that is a fair reason for exclusion. If only there was a coach that could have played her more. Perhaps maybe coaches are seeing something that, you know, everyone else on the outside looking in obviously doesn't have access to that sort of insight. Is it a coincidence that she's done really well at victory and then all of a sudden she just, she hasn't been able to, you know, reproduce that, you know, that same level of quality anywhere else? I mean, even for the Matildas, you've seen when she came onto the World Cup, the impact she made. Perhaps it's just the environment. You know, some players just, they thrive in an environment where they're comfortable and it suits them. And perhaps maybe, you know, a lot of clubs overseas, maybe that's just not for her. But yeah, yeah, just something to, to think about. Well, what I'm hearing is Alex Chidiak back to the dub. And I think we can all get around that idea in January. Absolutely. I I, I did have this discussion on Twitter as well um, after I put the article on the squad selection out where I posed the question, you know, do we see Chidiak in, uh, back in a Matilda's jersey before the before the end of the Olympic cycle? And I, I genuinely think the answer to that question is no. Is you, she has to be very careful with where her next move is, right? Because the last ones haven't really worked out for various reasons outside of really the moves to victory. I'm not saying Melbourne victory is necessarily the answer because if you look at that lineup now, it's kind of a how does Shidiak fit into this? And it might very well just end up being the same situation but on home soil. So I think Shidiak might have to go somewhere else that isn't Melbourne victory. Return to Adelaide United, who says no? No, I agree. Could be a move, absolutely. Finally, we'll finish off with the curious case of Canberra United. As this podcast is published on the 21st of November, <laughs> the last 30 days, Canberra United have only seen one game of football. That is absolutely extraordinary. They played away to City on the 21st of October. Then they had the international break. They played at home to Perth on the 4th of November. Then they missed a week because they were scheduled against Sydney, who were in Uzbekistan. And then their game this week was postponed against the Western Sydney Wanderers because they couldn't find a ground, which is remarkable in itself. Um, do we remember what happened the last time Canberra played football? I don't, to be honest. Canberra play football? <laughs> I honestly don't. Um, honestly, like, all I'm getting from this, and so the headline out of this is Sydney hates Canberra. That's the headline I'm getting out of this. The city of Sydney hates Canberra. Western Sydney and Sydney, of course, the two teams. Yeah, well, crazy for Canberra. Michelle Heyman's had to uh, delay her 100th goal celebrations by a few extra weeks, it seems. Um, but I'm sure it'll be good to see them when they return to football this weekend, of course. Okay, that will do for this episode of the A-Leagues of Our Own podcast. Paletti, thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, I've been up for almost... 
14 and a half hours at this point. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to just signing off. Uh, enjoy your sleep. Christian, thank you for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Lucky. Always a pleasure. Thank you all at home for listening. We'll be back on uh, Friday with a Socceroos Mini for their upcoming World Cup qualifier. Goodbye.